0: Welcome to the b-sides. Hi. Morning. Hello. Hello. Good afternoon. Good evening. And good night. (laughs) B-sides is a podcast for people who spend way too much emotional energy on pop music celebrities, as you will definitely see today. I'm Mimi. I'm Hannah. I'm Becky. And welcome back. And subscribe, if you haven't already. We come out every other Wednesday, so subscribing makes it way easier to keep up with us. Okay, so today, we're just going to get right into it. We are going to talk about Britney Spears, again, in light of the recent news surrounding her conservatorship and the Free Britney Movement and the documentary. Our fourth episode ever, you should know, if you don't already, in June of 2019, was also about Britney, and it was called It Was Britney, Bitch. So that's a way to look it up. Um, And we're going to recap what we talked about then, so you don't have to listen to it first, but like, we are definitely due for an update. So here we are. The truth about Britney, we should say at the top, is that her life and her career are pretty close to the core of the B-sides ethos, I would say. Her talent and her artistry and her sincerity were all central to her success and constantly undercut by a public and a music industry that underestimated her and was also unhealthily obsessed with her. I don't know if you can be healthily obsessed. I think you can, but maybe not. That's up for debate. But it's a common dynamic in the pop world, just not always on this like massive scale. She was the lightning rod for so much capitalistic and patriarchal ire and garbage while also bringing so much joy and pop gold and just cultural reset after cultural reset into the world. So clearly, like I could go on forever. There's always a lot to say about Brittany, especially now. And so we asked you all for some points you'd like us to hit and we've compiled some for this episode so we're going to talk about a few things like our understanding of what's happened to her mental state over the years and the conservatorship and more recent free britney movement it's all very complicated and we're going to get into it in, the, in a minute if you are listening to this episode on march 31st the day it drops also please be sure to wish hannah a very happy birthday
1: thank Woo! you so much. hell yeah there's no no better place, no better way to spend my birthday than thinking about Britney Spears and pop culture and how how much uh, we are at fault for her, for how she's doing today. That's how I want to ring in my my next year for sure. Yes, some of us more at fault than others which we'll talk about but certainly like as a as a culture yes I feel like so now you know we the three of us have our birthdays at like the beginning of of the calendar year you know each year so now we're kind of at the end of of our host birthdays and I feel like for each of our birthdays we had something to plug for the b-sides at the time like fundraisers or koozies or something but I don't have anything to plug should I is there anything I should plug for my birthday I don't know. What do you want to plug? Subscribe. Subscribe. Oh, oh, review us. Review us on iTunes. Yeah, that's a good thing. That's a birthday gift you can give. Subscribe and review us on iTunes. Please and thank you. Happy birthday to me.
0: Yeah, we'll remind you. But yeah, please do that. (laughs) That's a birthday present. Great. Thank you. Okay, so let's start this 2021 Britney episode by recapping what we talked about in our June 2019 episode so we're all up to
1: speed Hannah do you want to start us off let's do it that episode was sort of foundational to to who Britney was but also just to us, as the B sides hosts, we were. I remember sitting on your floor in your uh, in your closet, Mimi, and still figuring out how to pass the mic between the between the two of us. That was fun. Was. Um, but more more about Britney. It was foundational to who Britney you know, is and has been in pop culture. We gave a brief background on Britney's origin story. Her family filing for bankruptcy shortly before she joined the Mickey Mouse Club. That was interesting her legacy as the princess of pop and the reviver of teen pop and the way that her voice was molded into that sexy baby voice that the music industry decided teen pop should be in the late 90s. Yeah,
0: I don't know really how else to describe that voice. That's like the only way I've seen it described
1: unless someone's doing an actual um,
0: impression, which I can't do.
1: If it's not Britney doing it, then you call it the Britney Spears voice. But when it's Britney, you have to find other descriptors. Exactly. Yeah, right. (laughs)
0: Um, And so, yeah, we, you know, we talked about how she dominated the pop music slash pop culture pep rally that was Total Request Live, TRL, my favorite show, Um, and that she came to represent the concept of an American girl for better or for worse. And we definitely talked about, I feel like one of the main the main like thesis of the episode is like we don't have that weight on one person anymore even if they are ubiquitous. Britney was singular in that way and like truly she carried us from one millennium to the next and we owe her and that that's kind of like the was the main argument there.
2: Yeah and we also mentioned that Britney was not afforded the same privacy as other very famous pop stars today, like thinking about Christina Aguilera uh, and that she could not control her narrative in ways that others could. And this is a cultural and technological shift. The 2000s were so overtly misogynistic, which I feel like today in 2020 or 2021 doing a retrospective of that. And pop stars, and other celebs couldn't just jump on Instagram or whatever to clear up the control, clear up or control the narrative. Although, Britney did famously blog about her life in the 2000s. So you should look that up if you haven't, uh, if it's still out there. And most public content was processed through interviews, award shows, public videos, concerts, uh, magazine features, and paparazzis, which her interactions with the paparazzis were so intense and frequent that she actually had a relationship with one of them. And 25% of the total paparazzi coverage in 2008 was a Britney and photos of her or her kids that were sold for like millions and millions of dollars, which is crazy. Uh, but it's a hustle. Uh, we sort of compared her to Princess Diana, which actually seems a little bit on point, although I hope that Britney doesn't have the same trash again that uh, Princess Diana had uh, from the paparazzi, the pressure, the lack of care and protection.
0: For sure. Now that there's a princess die resurgence, it's like, yeah, we were on the nose with that. And luckily it it hasn't ended the same way, but there's, there is some similarities there. Um, But yeah, in light of all the above, and we're going to get into this more today, we're going to get like way deeper. We noted that someone can't just go through fame at this scale with this treatment for this long and come out unscathed. And when it, and when like an it girl, quote unquote, falls from grace, as they inevitably do, like it's always part of the trajectory, the media narratives and the conversations around it reflect the zeitgeist. They reflect our culture's priorities and values, and those have shifted. Um, and so, what I'm really trying to say is that history is not going to be kind to Diane Sawyer or Justin Timberlake or Perez Hilton or any of these other people who just like really crossed some lines with Brittany.
1: History will not be kind to them, and neither will we. Um, (laughs) And that's that. And lastly, in that episode, we talked about the conservatorship, that Britney was trapped in it, that her father's lawyer was named Andrew Wallet and the judge was Brenda Penny. It's, It's all just truly absurd. And back then in 2019, Britney had just said that she's fine, didn't need anything from her fans. But we were really beginning to see that the conservatorship was were more, res- conservatorships in general were more restrictive and rare than we had realized, especially for someone so young and functional. Like you can of course deal with mental illness and be wealthy and not need a conservatorship. And that should be a good segue into a few of the questions that you all raised, which we'll get into right after this quick break.
2: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to say for it?
1: We got some questions about Brittany's mental state. Essentially, what do we think happened to her mental state? How do we talk about this responsibly? And what is going on now?
0: Yeah, these are big questions. There's obviously a lot of buzz about her Instagram posts, which are in a way hard to describe. They're varied, but there's like a vibe through all of them. And you can just go visit and see, which I'm sure most of you already have. So there are questions about, like, is she in control of her Instagram at this point? Does she seem off in her videos? Is she sending out hints that she wants fans to help her? People want to know, and none of us really do. We also want to be careful when we talk about Britney's mental state, and we want to acknowledge that whatever is going on now didn't happen overnight or even in the last couple of years. Like, there was actually a time when Britney communicated very clearly and publicly that she was not okay prior to the conservatorship and early on. And so we, we need to look at the long view and doing that will help lay the foundation for discussing the conservatorship now and the free Brittany movement. Um, and I just want to say, like, I think it's great that millions of people are concerned about Brittany now, but sometimes I'm like, yeah, like, where have you been? You know what I mean? Um, so we're going to explain that with some context
2: Yeah. First, we can acknowledge that almost no one is publicly talking about mental health and mental illness for most of Britney's career, like the way we do and dissect it now, was taboo, not even considered a category of health. Instead, in the 1990s and early 2000s, people dealing with trauma and pressure were often painted as quote-unquote crazy and morally bad and not even human, instead of real people dealing with a culture that was horrible to them. They're often scapegoats for other people's demons and societal problems, Britney's not only the only person to deal with this. I mean, Demi Lovato just put out her third documentary, uh, but she's basically the most famous person in the world. And she dealt with it constantly. She's a big reason why we talk about mental health and body image as often as openly as we do now. And it's still so far from perfect, but the cultural landscape is so different now. And so is she.
1: And we don't know exactly what Britney has dealt with over the years mentally. And Nor should we speculate, but we do know that she was not in a good place for a long time, way before 2021, way before the New York Times documentary came out. She told us, the public, many times in the 2000s, but she wasn't taken seriously. And we can blame the culture and all of the people willing and able to exploit her. So let's start with the early part of Britney's career, Um, you know, from her father to music executives to the press. Britney was almost never consistently living and working in an environment that's conducive to good mental health, period, right? Especially, so when we're thinking about around the baby one more time days, already she had so much singular pressure on her and was assigned this sexy virgin image for marketing purposes because of a gross cultural patriarchal fascination with the Madonna whore complex. And already she couldn't win. Already she set up for failure but she was so polite. She's so composed in this period. She has such grace um, when she's talking about these, even when explicitly asked about, about this tension, even as people like Justin Timberlake trampled on her image and capitalized on their breakup or Diane Sawyer asking her incredibly inappropriate and merciless questions about her personal life. Um, I rewatched the Diane Sawyer interview in full recently. It was Brutal. It was so horrible to see a trusted journalist think that certain questions were fair game. And so loaded the way she's asking some of these questions to ask a young woman on, on public television. And Britney handles it all, all with grace.
0: Yeah, and I, I think to like I remember seeing that at the time and being like, wow, but I I I think um it it was probably damaging to a lot of us as, like, younger girls then to see this trusted journalist do this and have this, like, be legitimate and be like, oh, we're allowed to be spoken to this way. Or, like, in the future, if there's a breakup or whatever, like, it's my fault if it's too sad. You know, I think a lot of people
1: kind of absorb that. So, I think it's really hard to hear you say that, Mimi, because Diane Sawyer's whole line of questioning was ostensibly in. In, in service of protecting young girls, right? She's like, Isn't what you do bad for young girls because you're sexy, because you're, you know, because you broke up with Chuz and Timberlake. And she has this whole line of questioning that's supposed to be, you know, shouldn't moms be one of the questions is, you know, there was like a woman who who uh the, the governor of Maryland's wife was like, if I had a gun, I would, I would shoot Britney Spears, yes. right? And Diane Sawyer is like, isn't that okay? Basically, as her lineup. And Brittany's like, that's really mean. And Diane is like, but you understand why, right? Because you're horrible, right? So like Diane Sawyer is trying to protect young girls, but actually what young girls were seeing is I'm disposable. I will never be trusted. My, my autonomy doesn't matter. Like all of those things. That's what we were seeing.
0: Yeah, 100%. Yeah, when she was like, so the first lady of Maryland said that if she saw you, she would want to shoot you in the face what do you think about that like don't you
1: think that's warranted <laughs> it's
0: like, don't you think that's warranted because you are responsible for her children because for some reason you're responsible for everyone all right so like that alone in the early part of her career would do serious damage to anyone especially someone like britney who was not a diva behind the scenes who had her faults like everyone does, but by most accounts was sensitive and silly and down to earth and just wanted, unlike Christine Aguilera, by the way, and just wanted <laughs> to make music and dance. And <laughs> that was brutal, Mimi. <laughs> uh, it's so true, though. Like, it really is for another time. And she I'm not trying to pit them against each other. There's been enough of that. Um, And she just wanted to make music and dance and perform and provide for her family. But it was, I think it was pretty obvious by the mid 2000s. Like if you were paying any attention, which like the media sort of made you, that Britney wasn't on solid footing, but the Britney Spears brand was going strong. It was the in the zone era with toxic and undeniably perfect pop song And music video from virtually all perspectives, even people who claim to hate pop music, recognize that song immediately, love it, they know it's timeless. So there was like this really major dissonance building between Britney and her brand, and she was hounded by the press, she was like partying a lot, as they called it back in those days, and she had moved on to Kevin Federline, a backup singer from Fresno, who was in a relationship and already had a family with char jackson who was pregnant with their second child at the time in other words like this is not someone to hitch your wagon to especially when you're the biggest pop star in the world and even if you watch um Brittany and kevin's reality tv series in 2005 chaotic which was on UPN and is now on youtube it's like pretty short um and you can see that she's she's like really not taking care of herself at this point and no one else really seemed to be either, but many people either didn't really notice because her brand was thriving and that was more important than Brittany, the person. Um, and also like a lot of people were entertained by and capitalizing on both her brand and her personal life, which kind of seems to be a forever theme with her, unfortunately, as we'll continue to just to discuss. Um, but Yeah, even at the
2: time, she found ways to communicate that she was not okay. Yeah, I mean, you just watch some examples of this in her interviews and blogs at the time, but also in her music. Uh, Don't forget around this time, she created a lost album called The Original Doll, and she intended to release it in the summer of 2005. And it was almost like a sister album to In The Zone, but much darker and more intense in some ways. It's actually interesting to think about how this album might have changed the direction of pop music if the industry had allowed Britney to move forward with this at the time. Anyway, you might not know, but the lead single is a song called about the fall of the Mona Lisa, which Britney described as unpredictable and unforgettable. Here are some of the lyrics. It's time to let her go because she's gone. She was a legend, though. It's kind of pitiful that she's gone and don't have a breakdown because you'll hit the freaking wall. It's heavy the lyrics were later changed to be less dark and the album was never released britney tried to date B. mona lisa during a surprise appearance in an la radio show in december 2004 and it was one and the only time that the song would be on the radio the pop industry wasn't having it it but britney was telling the world that she was struggling and that the version of her we all knew was coming to an end but kind of chose to ignore it. And we should mention that in 2004, she also injured her knee shooting a video for her song, Outrageous, featuring Snoop Dogg, and could never quite dance the same again. And some fans called that the beginning of the end and it definitely seemed devastating on top of everything else.
1: I remember that. I, specifically, I remember the outrageous music video in, uh, injury. I like, I don't, I'm trying to... Th- figure out like, do, do I remember it from the time? Cause I was 12 or do I remember like learning about it later? But I remember feeling like there was a straight line between the, in- the injury and all the things that happened next. Um, as I've gotten older, I have no idea if that's true. And the New York times Britney documentary that just came out, it didn't even mention the outrageous uh, music video And the injury and all the things that she had to stop and shift and neither did the 2008 documentary, which we'll get to not to skip ahead. But, you know, that was only four years later and they didn't mention it at all. So maybe I don't know. I just really remember thinking that there was a straight line, that like something happened that was very bad, that was bigger than just a knee injury. So anyway, at this point, um, things are going downhill fast with the press, with her team, with Kevin Federline. They had two kids in a year. They filed for divorce, had a brutal custody battle. Through all of this, Britney could not escape the paparazzi or the widespread scrutiny of her body during and after pregnancy. She was just hounded about her career, about motherhood, and she was visibly distraught. And then we have some incidents that have kind of like lived on in pop culture infamy. The driving with her son on her lap, shaving her head, the umbrella incidents, the rehab, all of that has been so overcovered that we don't really feel the need to get into them again here. But if you forgot, there they are. But it is reasonable and realistic to say that during this time, this is like 2006, 2007, it seems like maybe Britney is becoming a danger to herself and her kids. And this does not make her a bad person, unlike what most media coverage, especially at the time, suggested, right? I mean, imagine you can never go anywhere or do anything in peace because you are the most famous person in the world and you just have to deal with it. And really, you just wanted to be a pop artist and also have a family and like be loved, but you're basically not allowed to. And almost no one sees it that way because it would ruin the illusion that society is functioning appropriately. I mean, I think it's obvious to say many of us would do much worse under these circumstances. Right. Just saying. And yet she's still pushed to continue working. Somehow she releases, at this time, the cult classic album, Blackout. This is the Give Me More era, Piece of Me. And actually, some of those songs are pretty telling.
0: Yeah, 100%. And now I'm, like, ready to rant. And I'm also ready to be stopped mid-rant. So please do that. Um, But, like, what's really wild when we think of Britney today is that a lot of people... Around that time that you were just talking about Hannah and like shortly after thought she would die at any moment like they were ready concerned fans like Chris Crocker famously spoke out and told the media and haters to leave her alone and was made fun of. Um, And many people just seemed unbothered or like Perez Hilton almost wanted to push her over the edge for the headline they treated her life and her mental health like a punchline for profit. Um, it was almost like, yeah, like this is the, let's like close the loop on this. Like, this is the only way it's going to end, which is horrible. And then she was further used and manipulated by scam artists like Sam Lettby, who came into her life to quote unquote manage it. And he's tried this with a lot of like kind of vulnerable people, I think, especially women. Um, he took over her medication, manipulated and further endangered her And it was sick. And it's actually like we can we forget about it now, but it's actually a miracle that she made it out of that time alive. So this is where her father, Jamie Spears, came in with the conservatorship in 2008, allegedly to protect her. And people at the time were like, yes, this is so good of him. And I will say, like, having almost anyone else legally in charge of her finances and her person at that point may have helped as a stopgap. But you can also watch, um, as Hannah was alluding to MTV is Britney Spears for the record documentary from 2008, which by the way, used to be on YouTube and like in many places, I think it was like suspiciously taken away, but you can still find it on the internet. I don't, I won't tell you where, cause I don't want it to be taken away, but just do a but quick like, search. DM us. Yeah. We'll, maybe we'll send you the link. <laughs> yeah. Um, And so like this documentary takes place right as the conservatorship begins and you will see, like she will tell you in her own words that she is scared and she's troubled and she already worries that
1: the conservatorship will be like a prison. She's like, and she's saying, if you are arrested and thrown in jail, at least, you know, when you are getting out. And she's like, I think this is going to be a really long time. And that was 13 years ago.
0: Yeah. 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 I think that's when it was still kind of temporary. Um, And what's, what's like extra fucked up is that this documentary makes it clear that she's dealing with trauma and the documentary was intended as a promotional tool for her next album circus, which means that her team was pushing her to work on yet another album in the midst of a major mental health crisis and the recent placement of a conservatorship. So We'll talk more on this later, but we do see and for the record that like Britney still, you know, she's concerned, but she she still like has her personality. And like the only way I can describe it is like the light hadn't left her eyes yet. Like this would have been a really good time in addition to all of the earlier times we just talked about for someone to step in and put a stop to Britney Spears, the brand at the expense of Britney Spears, the person. Because by the time, and I, like, remember in college, like, by the time Femme Fatale came out in 2011, it seemed like it was too late. It was really sad. It's like her team had heavily medicated her to keep working. And you can just tell from her performances and interviews that she's just not there anymore. Like, she's going through the motions. And also from her vocals, like, just if you listen to them, it's like there's literally no human detected in those recordings. It's like she's, like, full Femme Bot vocals in those albums at that point um i will say there was a good brief change from this in her 2016 album glory because she was actually like able to work on it with some people who cared about her and didn't want her to be a femme bot but to be a longtime britney fan is to know that the vibrant person and the performer that she was is just like not here with us anymore and hasn't really been for over a decade and it's like if we don't If we don't acknowledge that, then we don't do justice to who she once was and what happened to her and any other discussions about her mental state. So, yeah, this just want to say, like, this goes back way farther than 2020 or 2019 or Free Britney. And many people in power were just complicit and dismissive for a very long time and also like regular people as well.
1: I completely agree, Mimi. And I really appreciate that. And so, so something that I was thinking about as I was watching this 2008 documentary is, um, other documentaries I've watched about pop artists and I love all of them. I always love these documentaries and, you know, I just watched the Demi Lovato documentary this week. I'm thinking of the five foot two documentary that Gaga put out and that there's always, in some ways there has to be a promotional vehicle because there has to be an ending that is full of hope. And that ending is usually something to promote or something about their career. So Lady Gaga's ending was the Super Bowl performance, as if like everything is fine now. And it was there's many things that were very tough to watch about the Demi Lovato documentary. I actually expected even more promotion for this album. And, you know, part two hasn't come out yet at the time of, of our recording. So we'll see. But it already is kind of making it sound like And now her new album is the, we're all good now. The album is, you know, what, what is going like, there's like, it feels like it's an end and it was really tough. And honestly, Becky, remember when we watched Simply Complicated together in my apartment? Yeah. (laughs) There was like, you know, her current project at that time felt like, and now she's going to be okay. Like I get why they put, and you know, I get why they put circus as the ending of that, of that documentary. But it's so tough to watch years later when the circus era was just a point in time. There's so much more coming and and it's gotten so much worse in so many ways. But it was like, and now she's back. Here it is. Let's watch the circus music video. You know, it was really tough to see that the way that documentaries like to end with something hopeful. But it's actually always just a point in time.
2: I actually saw the circus tour right
0: I, I actually remember you saying that in the last um like in our episode a couple of years ago yeah. yeah and you were like it was fine
2: yeah I will what I remember about it is I got food poisoning from the NASA Coliseum so oh my God. <laughs> that like has uh clouded my view of it but yeah I remember it being I remember it being fine it's like I do probably imagine that her Vegas shows like are probably outstanding for that reason is that it's a probably a little more intimate nasa coliseum is huge but she definitely uh, who knows if i'm like having a memory but seems sort of like going through the motions uh type of performance which makes sense because like we know how her p- public presence is so controlled and like even for a pop star on her level so she almost like now never does any interviews anymore Although, unless you count her Instagram stories as interviews, but uh, we can talk about that later, uh, let alone ones that scratch the surface of, like, anything. So it's harder than ever to really know, like, what she's at, what she's thinking. A lot of people did feel they could still see Brittany unedited on Instagram uh, until her account went dark for a few months in 2019. More on that soon, too. But now that she's quote-unquote back, many people are fixated on whether or not she's literally the one posting on her Instagram and whether or not she's sending fan signs that she needs help. I think this is kind of controversial. Um, I'm wondering what you guys think about it. It's definitely controversial. A lot of people are wondering about it.
0: And I, okay, I understand why people want to know. Like, they just want to know. And for some reason, it's like, if she's literally posting it, then she is okay and happy, which could be true. But I actually think it doesn't really matter because I think even if she is posting herself directly, her team is like most definitely heavily vetting whatever she posts, no matter what, like she's not really in control of that content. I don't think. And with any post, I think like her team is trying to sort of like They may she may want to post something. They're like, sure, whatever. But I think that they are like carefully trying to toe a line between like she's happy and good. Like she's good. And then like she's childlike and simple and needs the conservatorship to continue exactly as it is. And some people are buying that. And it's like it's like comforting to believe that in a way. But a lot of other people are not. Um. On a less serious note, I just want to, like, as a quick aside, say I'm, like, very interested in the relatively new concept of socialist comrade Spears since last year. But, like, I don't know. It's, it's fun in games. What's what's really most concerning to me, which we see in a lot of her video posts, is that she still seems in a different way. And, like, I'm not going to speculate on what she's taking or anything like that. But she still seems heavily medicated. And, like, her speaking voice has changed dramatically. Like, that's for sure. It's become more like her affected, like sexy baby, like Britney singing voice that they made her have in the 90s, which is not at all what she still talked like for most of her life. And she just seems like she talks like so fast and she just seems frenzied and really just like a completely different person than than who she was when the conservatorship even began. And so I find that to be like, regardless of who was doing the actual posting, I find that to be a pretty alarming shift whether she's posting herself or not.
1: Yeah, I totally agree, Mimi. I think it almost doesn't matter who presses upload since the control is so all-encompassing. And I feel like a lot of pop stars aren't the ones who press upload, right? Like that's it, that's always going to be the, the case. But um, And it, there's part of me that actually is starting to think that maybe she does post herself or is more in control of the content. But what I'm actually more curious or concerned about is exactly what you're talking about, the mindset when she's making the posts, especially the videos, like what is going through her mind? And I have to kind of step back also and realize that she is um, this maybe sounds silly, like she's older than me. Right. And so her the the way that people actually her contemporaries who are not famous, the way they use Instagram is a little weird and silly, like the way the memes that they post, the, the the content that they that a lot of like Women who are older than me post on Instagram is is already different, so I try to be a little generous with my judgment. But um, I really don't understand what's going through her mind with some of these some of these videos and that. Yeah, you want to give people space and you want to not jump to conclusions, and you want to be like, "What's going
2: on?" Yeah, I I think she does post them, and I think she genuinely thinks that they're like good and funny posts and I think maybe more what you're talking about is that I think that maybe she's on some medication or on something that like ah like I'm in a good mood and like this kind of stuff seems fun to me so I'm gonna post it I enjoy them yeah I don't know but we're gonna talk more about
0: this because now it's time to get into the conservatorship and the free britney movement which of course they're still related to like how she's doing and what she wants and what she's capable of so um the other main questions we got very related to what we just talked about are more around the conservatorship and the free britney movement and what free britney means and like how we feel about it and whether it's an all good thing or if there are pros and cons so um yeah we're gonna we're gonna get into that now
1: Yes, let's briefly explain Hashtag Free Britney for anyone who doesn't know or wants a refresher. So basically, Hashtag Free Britney is a movement that fans started online to restore her independence, especially from her father, Jamie Spears, who has had major control over the conservatorship and many aspects of her life since 2008. And Free Britney is also the hashtag that fans use to post and follow updates and rumors about her conservatorship. And it's interesting, general consensus for most of the 2010s was that the conservatorship arrangement made sense for Britney and was good for her because she continued to perform and have a successful career. So the Free Britney movement has recently helped a lot of people see why that reasoning actually doesn't make any sense. So to talk about that for more context, let's talk a little more in detail about what a conservatorship actually is and why this one in particular is so messed up. So a conservatorship is basically a legal agreement that allows a guardian or a conservator to assume full control over another adult's finances slash estate, aka like wealth and assets, and/or person. So that's managing their daily life, their living arrangements, their health decisions, etc. So there's there's a conservatorship of money and a conservatorship of person, of people. And like typically conservatees. Cannot do very basic things because, you know, this is so extreme. They cannot marry. They cannot vote. They cannot drive a car without permission. They cannot make a lot of other daily life decisions either. But these restrictions are ostensibly, and I'm sure in a lot of cases it's tough, but especially in this one, are supposed to actually protect the conservative.
0: Yeah. And there can be more limited versions of conservatorships but generally speaking they're still extreme and extremely rare because they are for people who are physically or mentally unable to handle these aspects of their lives without major consistent help um in fact i learned recently that like one of the reasons why it's so hard to get out of a conservatorship is because in most cases it wouldn't even make sense to try there are al- almost always they they are almost always established for elderly people who have dementia or other health conditions that make it unsafe for them to manage themselves. And, you know, like a lot of studies will say that about 5% of adults in America have severe mental illness, and even only a fraction of those would need the oversight of a conservator. Um, And I, you know, when we think of like young celebrities, it's like Britney and Amanda Bynes, right, who we who we really know of. And Amanda Bynes isn't isn't working in the same way. And that's its own, its own other its own other issue. But like the legal test for conservatorship in California, where Britney's was established, has a particularly high bar. It's hard to get one. So I'm going to quote California law directly here and say that In California, a conservator may be appointed for a person who was unable to provide properly for his or her personal needs for physical health, food, clothing, or shelter. The law also notes that a conservatorship can be established only if no less restrictive alternative is available, such that granting the conservatorship is necessary. So it's pretty restrictive. And now we're going to explain a little more about how a still working multi-platinum pop artist ended up with one and how free Britney came about and you know, what we think of it.
2: Like we mentioned earlier, Jamie Spears stepped in and filed to establish a conservatorship over Britney Spears in 2008. He would then go on to manage her person and the lawyer would manage her finances. At the time he made it seem like he was doing this out of concern for her citing her substance abuse and her undisclosed mental illnesses Britney went along with it in part because it helped her regain some custody of her kids. And Jamie also made it seem like it would be a temporary thing. So sure, why not? seems like they were holding her kids hostage, so the choice wasn't necessarily even real. But if Jamie really established the conservatorship out of concern, why did he send her back to work to record a new album or be a pop star a few months later? It doesn't seem very protective or really helpful. Or why didn't he end the temporary conservatorship rather than make it permanent? And also send her back to work. It makes very little sense legally and morally. And then the more details of Brittany's mental illness are private as they should be. But we do know that she has had Many, many professional accomplishments since the conservatorship began. She served as a judge and a mentor on the X Factor and held the Las Vegas residency that grossed almost one hundred and forty million dollars that is so beyond pre- unprecedented for anyone with a conservatorship and goes against some of California's legal requirements for establishing one. And she's actually a functional person in many ways.
1: Yeah, and and some diehard Britney fans have known a lot of this stuff for years. And also that Jamie was a non-supportive and in fact, abusive alcoholic father for most of her life. These are all contributing factors to the hashtag Free Britney movement. And Britney Army also knows about Lou Taylor. This is Britney's business manager for the last 10 plus years. Lou Taylor is a scam artist and the lesser known architect of this conservatorship. In 2007 and 2008, she basically infiltrated Britney's inner circle and seemed to brainwash Jamie. She has also tried taking control of other celebrities' estates like Lindsay Lohan and Courtney Love, but they or their families stopped it from happening. And Lou Taylor has since used Britney's money to fund her own businesses and organizations where she serves on the board. There's like plenty of examples like this with people in Britney's orbit Using the conservatorship mostly to profit off her brand and not to protect her.
0: Yeah, Lou Taylor is a big one. And she, like diehard Britney fans who know way more than I do, like know everything about Lou Taylor. But she wasn't, she isn't even mentioned in like any of these documentaries or a lot of this discourse. And it's like, that's a big deal. She was a huge part of this and she's a schemer. Um, Okay. So on that note, like, Recent court filings actually refer to Britney's conservatorship as more of a hybrid business model, which is an absolute nightmare because protection and profit do not go hand in hand like that, especially with so many vultures in the mix in this case. So basically, there are periodic court hearings to revisit the conservatorship. I think a lot of us know that because they pop up in the news. And Britney has reportedly expressed several times to the judge, a.k.a. Brenda Penny and others that <laughs> she wants her father removed as the conservator. Um, she even left her Las Vegas residency and refused to perform until he's removed. And there are a few more updates in 2019 and 2020. Like he stepped down temporarily for health reasons, which I think a lot of us know. And the lawyer, Andrew Wallet, in control of her finances, resigned under like murky uh, circumstances. And Brittany uh, care manager Jody Montgomery assumed Jamie's role and Brittany would prefer for her to stay in that role but Jamie hasn't been removed despite Brittany's bid probably because the legal system pretends to be fair or impartial with all of that authoritative jargon and whatnot but really it's often masking the fact that it's incredibly corrupt and it's failing to protect the most vulnerable among us which we see a lot we talked about this in our uh, Kesha episode last season It's ridiculous. Brittany is actually paying the legal fees for all sides. She's paying for the opposition against her. So she pays for her own attorneys, but then she also pays for the conservatorship and for Jamie's attorneys because she has made a ton of money over the last decade, but isn't allowed to direct it. Like they are directing it. It's so messed up. And so uh, she paid $1.2 million in legal fees just last year. So there's a clear conflict of interest right like what incentive would most of these people have to resolve some of these issues and alter the conservatorship when it's a great source of income for them and they can just continue to exploit her
2: yeah so here's where the hashtag free britney really comes in her sudden disappearance from social media for a couple of months in 2019 Britney returns and tells the fans, don't worry, she's fine. But there's a weird emoticon on her Instagram caption instead of her classic emojis for any loyal Britney fan would know. She explains to fans that she decided to check herself into a mental facility for a couple of months, but tells the judge at the conservatorship hearing that Jamie forced her to check into the mental health facility and take certain drugs. So Britney Army is, of course, paying attention to all of this, analyzing her posts, and many are saying she's being held against her will. Fans start showing up at at hearings to protest the conservatorship. Now the mainstream media is involved. Many other celebrities have joined the movement, especially recently wearing hashtag free Britney merch, expressing concerns on her Instagram posts, etc. The recent Hulu New York times doc framing Britney Spears brought the movement to an even wider audience. It actually may be one of the first mainstream Britney documentaries that is really sympathetic to her and takes a critical eye to the culture and specific people who did her wrong over the years it also acknowledges that she is a real artist who wrote songs was in charge of her performances before the conservatorship began. Basically, people are finally reckoning with the uniquely with how uniquely exploitative Britney was for decades and still is. And so what are our pros and cons for the free Britney movement? All right, I think
0: I think let's just all like start with pros and then do cons if that makes sense. So far, I would say that from what I can see, free Britney seems like a net positive and that it comes from a good place. Like we know, and and like her super fans who know everything that they can know, not everything know that her life and her career and her conservatorship are like all complicated and all unique. And it's good to see a movement that advocates for the removal of Jamie and other forces that exploit her and that she, she said she's want removed. So Um, I don't think it's anyone's place as a fan to say exactly what she needs, but it's clear that there can and should be other safe options out there for her. She's spent all of her 30s in this. Like I said, her personality is unrecognizable, basically. And for her and the fans, it's sad to think about how she might've evolved as an artist without all of this, if she was able to kind of like do what she wanted and mature in the way she wanted. Um, And I say this knowing that like one of my favorite inner- uh, internet videos of all time is work bitch playing over see like spliced scenes of the titanic sinking it makes me cry laugh every time but i know that it's a product of this conservatorship ultimately and like i don't need it i don't need any of this so i think that a limited conservatorship and more neutral parties in charge of her, fi- her finances all of that Like whatever gives her a solid combination of freedom and happiness and safety, that's what I want. And Free Britney seems to be moving the needle in that direction. And I also occasionally remember that her kids will be legal adults in a few years. Um, And hopefully that will help the situation as well. But I think, I do think a lot could happen before then.
1: Yes, yes, all around. I would say um, another pro uh, is that this is shedding light more on legal issues in the music industry and not to make everything about Taylor Swift. <laughs> but um, you know, Taylor's drama with her master has helped a lot of people understand some of the legalities within the music industry. And this is doing something similar, even though you know in Taylor Swift's situation, it's like this is something that all artists have to think about and it's good for us to learn about those ins and outs. This is a million times more rare. This is not at all something. Um, that artists have to usually figure out. But I just think in general, understanding the business part of the music industry helps future artists and also just helps us listeners to learn more about, <laughs> I don't know, the legal structures that that surround everything. Um, so in general, I think the, the hashtag free Britney movement, um, yeah, like I'm pro, <laughs> I'm in. Okay, and then
0: in terms of cons... Um, we do have a few things, although like, again, you know, net positive, but I do think some people, it seems in the free Brittany movement, want her to not have any sort of legal guardrails. Um, and I don't think that's anyone's place to say necessarily who doesn't like know her personally. Um, I, I think maybe she does need some assistance and that we, then that she should have it. Like, we don't know. We just know that the current conservatorship is bad. And I also sometimes worry that, like, when people are so obsessed with her Instagram or, like, other aspects of this that we haven't evolved as much as I'd like, that we're still super voyeuristic. And, like, the culture's obsession with celebrity mental health has changed, but it's still not good. And so I think to an extent, like, Free Britney could occasionally be exacerbating that. And at my most cynical, I'm also, like, you know... How exploitative is it that the is the Hulu documentary and like the Netflix one that's apparently in the works? You know, like I was all for the competing like Hulu Netflix Firefest documentaries, but like I don't know that we need to be doing this. Um, I do think it's good that it brought more the Hulu one brought more awareness, but I'm also just like, is everyone just further exploiting her forever because her brand continues to be so strong and they know people are going to tune in? Like, how helpful. How helpful is any of this? I think I think that still remains to be seen.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you both. I think you all pretty much said how I was feeling. I I do think for the con is like we it's so hard because we don't know and we can think that we're doing what's best for her, but like as you said, Mimi, like we we don't really know what's going on. I don't think that Jamie is the best for her, but like we're. As consuming it, like, we're helping Hulu and, I guess, further Netflix, like, make money, too, off of her problems. That if she really is suffering and there really is something going on, like, it feels a little bit icky as a fan. Because Brittany doesn't have control and she's not even interviewed. Maybe, I don't, Mimi, do you know if she's going to, if she agreed to be interviewed in the Netflix one? I don't, I would assume not.
0: Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. It's like, I don't even know if she's able to agree or not. Um,
2: Yeah. It's just, I don't know. It feels icky because it's like, let her tell her story. And, and I guess also if we let her tell her story, how do we know? It's like you go down a rabbit hole. It's like, Oh, how do we know what she's really saying and who's telling her to say what she's trying to say, you know? Um, Yeah. It just feels a little that leaves a bad taste in my mouth.
1: On that note with the um, New York times documentary, I mean, you have to like if you're a conscious consumer of documentaries or whatever, tell all's anything, you have to know that there's always a chance that you're really missing some huge or minor yeah. things like that's just true. Um, and I was kind of surprised at the New York Times documentary at how much it um, didn't uncover anything new. I thought that was interesting. And there's a part of me that's like maybe they were just like lazy and there was enough to talk about. Um, but I'm also like, why didn't you say like anything I didn't know? Like, I think that they should have, you know, but then at the very end in the end slate, they're basically like, no one, we couldn't find anyone to talk to us. And then, um, they said, you know, we, we did not, I don't remember exactly what it is. We could find it. It was like, we did not get a reply from Brittany, um, about whether or not she would comment. And then the, the very ominous sentence was like, it is unclear if the request ever reached her, something like that. Right. And it's like, you can't get to her. You, you yeah. Just can't. Mm-hmm.
2: yeah, I do think what you're saying is like this, this documentary didn't teach me anything new. I don't think you were the audience. I think there were a lot of people who tuned into that and were like, fuck, I didn't even know any of this was happening to Brittany." Like, you just happened to be a totally. consumer who knows a lot about it. I guess I was attention. just
1: surprised that the New York Times journalist apparatus couldn't uncover never before... More understood pieces of information. You know what I mean? I get I that. Do, yeah. I agree with you that 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 I wasn't the target audience for that. And a lot of people were like, I didn't know any of this. But I just I was surprised that they didn't like that. Yeah, it seems hard to uncover things about this in their defense purposely. Yeah,
0: I think. Um, well, I, I OK, so I also think that just reminded me of like the recent news that she's considering an interview with Oprah, which I have no idea how true that is. I guess, again, it remains to be seen, obviously, like the entire world would tune in for that. Um, but that would be interesting. But yeah, with this documentary, too, I was kind of like, I thought, like you said earlier, Becky, I thought it was like um, unprecedented in that it's it's really like one of the first ones that's really sympathetic to her, even and for the record. It's like, yeah, she's going through a lot and it's kind of her fault, which it's not, you know, Um and this one really showed the way that it it was, it was like a shift in the angle, but it wasn't really that much of a shift in the actual information. And we did get Felicia, who no one's heard from in a long time, who was basically like her, you know, Lynn Spears is her mother, but Felicia was like on tour with her, kind of like being a mother figure for a long time. And she doesn't understand the conservatorship either. And um, yeah, no, I, I think it's, it's really interesting and it is really telling that it's like unclear if she ever received a request to be in the documentary, if that's true or even respond to it. Um, And I'm also just like, this could just be me being biased, but I'm also just like, how many people need the umbrella incident explained to them? Or like how many people need star star search explained to them at this point? It's like, where. I don't know it's just like where have you been for like 25 years um when you
1: you're deep in it you are a deep in it person. I
0: am but remember what I said about in our conspiracy theory episode about Brittany being a tool of the Bush administration <laughs> because it's like something bad would happen and then in the administration and then something would happen with Brittany and it would shove all of the political like Middle East all of it to the side like that's how you're right front and center she was so i don't know i also think like you said like new york times has everything at its disposal so if they if they were either lazy or they couldn't uncover anything like that remains to be seen but they did leave a lot out and they did they could have a lot of the things we're talking about like they could have shown they could have shown her interviews Beyond the brief, like Diane Sawyer for the record, like they could have shown a lot of things where she tells us stuff herself in the past. So. All right. Thumbs up for free Britney as of now.
1: Thumbs up.
2: One last important question for you guys before we wrap today. And this is honestly the most crucial question out there. What do we think about her new boyfriend, Sam, and specifically his most recent comment that he wants to have kids with her? If she isn't free, would it be fair for him to expect that from her? Why say the pub? Why say that publicly when she's that's you know it's a, that's a private thing between two humans? And if she became free tomorrow, is that where she wants to go with her freedom? All
0: right. So for those who don't know, Brittany's boyfriend is Sam Escari, a twenty-seven-year-old personal trainer, and they've been together since twenty sixteen when. He They met when he starred in the music video for her song Slumber Party featuring Tinashe. And he shows up a lot in her Instagram posts and like he's made general statements about supporting her. Um, But then in early March, what this question is about is he said, I want to take my relationship to the next level. I don't mind becoming a father. I want to be a young dad. I do think I don't mind following by I want is interesting. Um but uh, yeah, I mean, I get the sense that at best he's a himbo and at worst he's a fembot <laughs> and I'm not really going to expand on that. Um, but generally, <laughs> I just think like, I don't know who else she would date these days and he seems okay. Like, I don't know. It seems like to me, it seems like Jamie probably like picks out some guys that he approves of for her and she like chooses one to be her boyfriend. I have like no basis for that, but I'm just like, where does she meet anyone? I don't know. And maybe she does want more kids since we got this question. um, There was an article where like a friend, an anonymous friend said that Brittany was quote unquote, totally on board with Sam's public statement about the future and having kids. But yeah, I I do think that his public statement is still bizarre in the midst of millions of people realizing how serious this conservatorship is. Um, But on that note, he did also do something else that seems out of character, which is like he called Jamie a total dick. Read the conservatorship in February. And I thought that was uh, like an interesting
2: change of pace as well. What do you guys think? I think he's hot. So uh, if they choose to procreate I think that's, that's a good thing. Um, And I think anyone, I hope for her sake, anyone is better to her than, than Kevin Federline was. Um, So the bar literally is below the ground, I guess, which is unfair, but, and he seems to be like independently famous. He has like over a million followers on Instagram, which is always reassuring to me when, people link up with celebrities that I think there's always probably in the back of my mind like are they dating me for fame which maybe it's a part of it for him I don't know I can't speak on that but I like that he called him a dick and I'm in support for now
1: yeah I have such a hard time making any judgments about her current choices like I feel like the easiest if this was about anyone else any other celebrity I mean I would feel like the easiest thing I would say is, well I hope she's happy with him. But that feels like such a loaded phrase in light of what we discussed. Like, is how, how can she do we know anything about like, can she be happy, period, much less with another person? You know, is it a great sign that they've been together for so long? It means they're really partners. Or is it like. That's actually a that's that's five years of a lot of formative stuff going on during a really trying time. Either that means they're, you know, maybe they're stronger than ever, or it means like she can't get out of this either. There's like something, I don't know. And and then I start kind of speculating into a spiral. So I have no idea. I don't know what to make of this. And um, I'll, I I think I I won't even try. <laughs> yeah, I think it's weird that
0: he's younger than us, but like, God bless. Um, and yeah, I, I do also think I agree with both of you. And I think... Um, I think like to be in that position or to be like the more famous person and to have someone who's in the industry, but not like super aspiring in a way where they're using you is kind of like sometimes the best you can hope for. So, you know, I wish them all the best. Yeah. And I think that's basically the end of this episode, you know. There's, there's always time to revisit Britney, and I'm sure that we will have to or we will decide to. Um, but yeah, ultimately, like, we love Britney. I went from being a child consuming pop music and appreciating her so much to, like, just wanting to protect her and be like, she is my she is not my celebrity friend but she feels like a friend and that i want her to be protected and want the best for her whatever that looks like and she owes virtually all of us nothing and i think we all need to like remind ourselves of that all the time she owes us all nothing even though she keeps being forced to pay everyone's legal fees so the court hearings are ongoing and the world is now really watching and so you know this is the end of this episode but it's not the end of the larger conversation we can't wait to hear what you guys think. Let us know about your pros and cons of free Britney, etc. Let's connect on social media. Here's how: you can follow us on Instagram at Listen To The B-Sides. You can follow us on Twitter at The B-Sides Pod, an underrated platform, Tbh. Not in general, just for us. Twitter is not underrated in general. And you can join our Facebook group by searching the B-Sides or going to bit.ly/slash. Sides FB group and like we said at the top subscribe to the podcast and please rate and review us on iTunes five stars Hannah's birthday now's the time um so yeah we'll see you in two Wednesdays and until the next time we cut to the
1: feeling I'm Mimi I'm Hannah
2: I'm Becky bye
1: bye bye